We've been um, taking a little bit of time, and we've been talking this month about this concept of won't you be my neighbor? And we've really been desiring to unpack this concept of community. Because one of the things that I realized, um, I had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time, uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law came to visit Lola for her birthday. And uh, we spent some time in Toronto, and uh, it was actually crazy to me how we could be so surrounded by people, but there was so little engagement or interaction that was surrounding these people, that it was thousands and thousands of people, but it was as if they might as well have been alone, just walking through the malls or down the streets. And, and we've really been desiring to unpack this concept of community because we know that God has created us for community. And the, the longing of our heart is, you know, we took a second with Jake there this morning. The longing of our heart is to feel as if life matters, to feel like we matter, that we belong, to feel as though we're happy or satisfied in our life. And statistically, we've been talking about lately how the, the, the major playing or determining factor in whether someone feels satisfied with their life isn't actually finances. It's not the size of their house or the car that you drive, but statistically, the better connections that you have, the better you feel about your life. And I, re I remember this last week, I, I talked a little bit about um, being at my, the internship that I went to when I was 18 to 19. I, I went to an internship and we talked last week about how we're all uh, culturally, we're driven towards isolation. And I talked a little bit about my experience, about my isolation that was there and, and my process of coming out of this place of isolation. But, you know, what's funny as we talk about this isolation is that, you know, the moment that I decided to uh, join in on the community that was there, it didn't actually mean that I all of a sudden had all these friends that surrounded me. In fact, as I talked about last week, I walked around this, you know, this block and had this great conversation with this guy and he talked to me and shared his story and we talked and it made me realize how I could take off the mask. But, you know, when I got back to my bedroom, it didn't mean that those five guys who lived with me were my best friends. In fact, when I walked back into that bedroom, everything was exactly the same because they thought that I was the same. And so as I begin to uh, walk down this road of understanding the value of connection, I realized that if something was going to change, that I had to come up with a plan. And this was my plan. I determined that in every conversation I was going to be in, or even any conversation that I was going to be around, I was going to intentionally share something about myself, and I was going to engage in the conversation that where naturally I would have kind of sort of the background or I would try to put on my, you know, my mask or put my best foot forward and create all this illusion around me. Now I was just deciding that I was just going to be who I was going to be. Now, in the process of this, unfortunately, there were times when I said some things and quickly ran back to my bedroom so that I could hide the shame or the tears that I was crying as I was so embarrassed because of this personal information that I said. Sometimes I shared things or did things that made me feel wildly insecure. 
But I realized something as I began to take a step out, an intentional step towards community. I realized that in the midst of feeling like I looked like an idiot, sharing things that were probably way too personal, that probably most people honestly didn't want to know or didn't care to know about me, admitting to my weaknesses or my past failures. I mean, logically, the things that I was sharing should have driven people away from me. But instead, I realized something, that as I started to open up, things started to change. And they started to change for the good. That the more that I opened up, the more that people wanted to be my friend. And the more that people wanted to be my friend, the more that I wanted to open up. And I found myself caught in this vortex of feeling okay to actually be myself. And I realized something as I was thinking about this, the, the concept of this is that community, this is something that we all seek out. I mean, the driving factor for probably every single decision that we make in our life has to do with either connection, compassion, chemistry, or community. That if you were to take an inventory of everything that you do throughout the day, you realize that we're always looking to further something, one of those four things in our surroundings. I mean, and we see it from the very beginning, from when God created Adam and Eve, that the human race has been inexplicably tied to connection and community. We see when God creates Adam, he creates him, and it's not long before he says that it's what not good for man to be alone. That in us, we were hardwired for connection. We see going throughout history how people lived in tribes or animals, how they are, they find themselves in packs and herds. But so often what can happen to us as we walk through life, through the way that we experience things, through our failures, through our pains, we find ourselves drifting like we talked last week towards this place of isolation. And then as we get older, the crazy thing is that, you know, we're born to parents and then we have parents and then it's not long before we have siblings. We have aunts, we have uncles, we have grandparents and we're surrounded in our very first introduction to life inside of a community. And then as we age, it's crazy how the very thing that we seek is more connection. Friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands and wives, business partners, we are hardwired for connection because belonging is a part of our DNA. That every single one of us desires to feel like we belong somewhere. That connection, I would be so bold as to say, is the very reason that we exist. You don't ever hear about people lying on their deathbeds wishing that they had made more money but you do, do hear stories of people wishing that they had more connection. Now, so many of us, though, are like Jake. And our pursuit of connection ends as we go after a, a, a desire to feel connected to people. And we tell so many of these stories. It's funny how so many of our stories of connection, the end of that story is always ending in heartbreak. It's always ending in disappointment. It's always ending in feeling as though we didn't fit or that we didn't belong. And 
like Jake, we've all stepped out and done something. We've dreamed about something. We've tried something. And the end of that, like Jake, so often for us ends in disappointment. Things don't go the way that they were supposed to go. People did things that they promised that they would never do. Whatever it is, I've noticed that in life, there is this pattern that emerges. It's kind of this cultural thing that you begin to watch happen around us. Is that when we face issues and moments of disappointment, when things don't go the way that we think that they're supposed to go, it's funny how in response to that, we turn to what I'm going to call the process of numbness. Because here's the deal. We live in a risky, vulnerable intense world. And if we're not willing to live on the edge at all times, which truthfully most people aren't, I mean, you can only be dumped by so many girls. You can only fail at so many businesses. Things can only go wrong so many times before in an effort to just try to protect ourselves from the pain, we turn to this process of numbness. And here's the thing that I realize about numbness, and I think it's the unfortunate thing, because I would love it if we could selectively numb. Right? Don't you? But here's the issue, is that you can't. We, we physically can't selectively numb. Like, I wish there was some pain that I could choose to feel and other pain that I could just grab a tub of Ben and Jerry's and, and just wallow in my own thing and feel like everything is just okay. But here's the reality, is that when we numb, I numb the bad, but I also numb the good. I can't just say, you know, here's my shame and here's my grief and here's my fear and here's my insecurity, here's my disappointment, and I don't want to feel these. So let me just selectively numb them. And Jesus knew this. He knew that our propensity would be to hide. In fact, from the very beginning, we see Jesus or, or God's interaction with Adam and Eve and and we realize at the first instance of any type of turmoil, the first moment where they had not met the expectation, we see the Bible says what? That I was afraid and so I hid. And I've realized something in our culture that it's so much easier to put on a mask than it is to take one off. It's easier to put something on and numb the pain than to intentionally do what it takes in order to walk into that situation and grow from it. And we see this in scriptures, the intensity to which God begs us almost to do our absolute best to remain in connection. One of the scriptures is John chapter 17, verse 21, and it's Jesus as he's praying, he says this, he said, I pray that we will all be one, just as you and I, as he's talking to God the Father, as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience, I love this, such perfect unity 
that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. We see this, it's almost this desperate, heartfelt prayer that Jesus releases. As if his main concern in our life isn't how well we eat or how nice we drive or how easy or simple things are. He's not necessarily worried about our difficulty or our disappointments. God loves it when we fight for each other rather than fight against each other. And so I've realized something. I've realized that if numbing or this process of numbing is that thing that makes us fake, you know, because that's what really numbing is all about. It's just like we put on the right masks for the right situations to be the right people so that people will like us, or at least we think that they'll like us. You know, it was like I used to think about this with driving a car. I always wanted to drive a car, like a nice car. Like my ultimate dream was, you know, if I could just roll up to a cool party somewhere in a Lamborghini, then everybody would look at me and think that I was an awesome guy. But you know what I realized? Is that when I saw dudes rolling up in a Lamborghini, love was certainly not the emotion that I was feeling towards them. Am I right? And isn't that so true that when people put masks on around us, isn't it that it's those people that are difficult to be in relationship? Isn't it so funny how when we try to put our best foot forward, it's almost as if it's difficult to kind of get in sync. But you share one vulnerable story about some silly thing that you did the night before, and it's as if people want to gather around to be your friend. Why? Because I think that it's not our strengths that unite us. It's our weakness. It's our weakness that causes us to draw together. And so if, if numbing is the thing that keeps us outside of community, I want to know, how do I fight the numbing? Right? I mean, I don't want to turn to Ben and Jerry I don't want to turn to Haagen-Dazs or Pizza Nova. I want to understand how do I, how do I engage in this process of not running from the pain, but running towards connection at whatever that would mean. Because if like Jake, if the very thing that I'm looking for is to belong to a family, is to belong to a community that makes me feel as though I matter, I don't know about you, but to me, I'm interested to know. How do I get rid of all the junk? Last week we talked about fighting the drift to isolation. How do I, how do I fight that feeling like I need to isolate? And, and I want to know this morning, how do I fight against being numb? And the first thing that I have for you, these, there's some of these notes that are in your bulletin so you can follow along. The first thing that we have to do is we have to give up. Now, not give up as in quit, okay? Because I think that that's kind of what Ben and Jerry's represents to us is, is that we're kind of just quitting. You ever have that where you just kick back on the couch and you got so much pressure and so many things are happening and you just go to the fridge and pop open that ice cream and you're just like, I, don't, I give up. Like, I can't do this. And you hope to God that this Ben and Jerry's puts you in a sugar coma because you just can't think another thought. That's not the kind of give up that I mean. I mean, we have to give up giving up. 
We got to give up feeling as if or taking on this inferior stance where we feel somehow as if the situations or the issues that we go through somehow have the power over us to determine how good or not good our future is going to be. I got to tell you something. I'm so over allowing situations in my life to determine for me whether or not I should feel happy or sad. I want to just give up this feeling like I have to quit every time something gets difficult. And this is what we have to do. We have to choose intentionally to reset. I've started doing this lately, resetting. You know, because there are times in, you know, life and, you know, with church and family and wife and parents and community, it's just like sometimes I have those moments where I sit on the couch and I'm just like, you know, I want to like put on noise-canceling headphones and not listen to any music, but just pretend that nothing is going, I'm just a single guy on the beach and that's all that's happening right now. I have no cares in the world and... And I've realized something that that's just not true because it's not long after that that my daughter finds her way to the couch and jumps on me. And, but I've realized something as I sit in those moments, I've had to learn how to reset. I've had to learn how to find my center. I've had to learn how to, uh, how to take a moment and start afresh. I've learned that it's actually better for me to reset instead of to numb. Because numbing is kind of like, I'm going to never experience this. I'm just never going to go there. You know, it's like we put all the emotion and we just like shove it down into that box somewhere. We lock the box and hope to God nobody finds the key. So we never have to deal with that feeling at all. Instead, when we talk about resetting, resetting isn't, isn't that we shove things down, but resetting is that we just simply accept it is what it is. Can I tell you something? There is a lot of power in accepting what has happened to us. You know what I've found so often as I talk to people? Is that so many people are trapped in something that happened yesterday that they could never change. I think this is one of the biggest tactics of the enemy is he tries to keep us stuck to things that we have absolutely no power to be able to change. Or he keeps us stuck in the future in some inevitable demise that could possibly happen five years from now if we don't make all the right decisions today. Instead, I've learned this process is is all that I have to do today, and, and I do this every morning as I kick my feet off of my bed, is I accept what happened yesterday and accept the things that are going on, and I make a commitment to myself that today I'm going to do the very best that I can with the 24 hours that I have today. I'm not going to numb myself to the pain. I'm not going to forget about my problems or my issues but I'm going to intentionally reset and then intentionally commit. Can I tell you something? There's nothing in the past. There's nothing that's ever happened to you. I don't care how bad things have gotten. There is nothing that can prevent you 
from creating the future that you desire. Can I tell you another thing that resetting does? It prevents self-pity. Can we go here for a sec? I'm, I'm just going to dabble. I'm just going to dabble. We're not going to go deep here. Can I tell you one of the things that self-pity does? Self-pity keeps us stuck. They should call it stuck pity. I'll tell you something. I have never had a good enough pity party to get me out of that party. It seems as we shouldn't even call it a party because it's anything but a party. It's basically just me beating myself up and reminding myself about how bad I am, how terrible I am, how I could never get out of this, how I'm such a fool for doing the things that I... I mean, that's not the kind of party that I'm looking to go to. But I realized something, that instead of pitying myself, can I tell you, this is why community is so valuable around us. That's why I love the people that I go to church with. Because there are moments in my life where I don't have it. There are moments when I want to reset. There are times when I know, I know the right thing that I should be doing right now. I think those are the worst. Like, I know I should open up my Bible right now. I know that I need to just pray a little bit more. But I got to tell you, I just, I don't got it. And so that's when, you know, like, who wants to be a millionaire? You got the phone a friend. Okay. I got like my phone a friend and I'm like, listen, man, like, I don't need you to preach to me because I know all the right things that I need to do. I just need you to like be with me. And I just need you to tell me that things are going to be okay. Because yeah. yeah. can I tell you something? We're not meant to be alone and you aren't always going to have all the answers for your life. And it doesn't matter how amazing your relationship is with the Lord. Sometimes you just don't want to do it. But that's when I have people around me. And I realize that I don't have to fall into self-pity. I don't got to beat myself up. I just got to phone a friend. I just got to hop on the phone real quick and be like, hey, man, you maybe got a code word. You know, hey, man, it's purple butterflies. And he knows what purple butterflies mean. And he's like, oh, dude, the purple butterflies are beautiful. And your life is so good. And look at your kid. And look at your wife. And look at your stuff. And look at how I just see somebody at times to remind me and help me pull myself up out of the pit. Number two, we have to step in. I got to step in. Connection requires authenticity. Connection requires that I intentionally engage in the process. Scripturally, we see this, right? Where the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, 24, it tells us very clearly that a friend must wait for friends to come around him. And then once he has all the friends around him, he will be friendly. I mean, obviously that's not the scripture. Or it was a horrible translation. The Bible tells us that a friend must show himself friendly. I realize that when I want things to change in my life, I have to intentionally engage in the process. I have to be authentic to who I am. People who make real connections are people who are willing to let go of who they think they should be in order to be people who they actually are. I heard a quote one time that said, 
I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to use a different quote that I heard. My friend from Israel said this, I would rather know you're ugly than know you're fake. And I think sometimes, especially in churches, we think that it's about the fake. We think it's about that, yes, praise God, bless God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, love your brother, everything is good, blessed and highly favored, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, right? We know all the things that we're supposed to say in churches. But I tell you something, God is not looking for us to be fake. God is not looking for us to be someone that we're supposed to be. Just no more than I'm looking for my daughter to be someone who she, I think, I want her to be whoever she wants to be. You want to walk? Fine. You want to go in the stroller? Fine. You want to poop your pants? Fine. I, I, I don't care. Like, be you, babe. And I think that sometimes, I think this is what made Jesus so attractive. I think I use the analogy all the time about how the Bible says that children would run to him. One of the things that I know about being a parent is that there's a specific kind of person that kids run to. And up until I had my daughter, I did not have the child gene. And so I don't know what it was. I don't know what changed. Kids like me now. They didn't like me before. But you see, Jesus was who Jesus was. There was an unapologetic authenticity. He didn't matter if it bothered you. He didn't matter if it shook you up, if it rattled your feathers. He didn't matter to him if he was supposed to or not supposed to. Jesus broke the rules everywhere that he went because he was who he was supposed to be. Now, I know that talking about this, it preaches so nice. Be who you're supposed to be. Take off the masks. Let down the walls. I mean, it just sounds like it should be the title of a message. But the reality is, when I ask you, just let go of control, I can feel you kind of like shutting down a little bit. You're like, who, me? And I'm like, yes, you. You are the person I'm talking to. Because we all shudder in our seats a bit at the idea of letting go of control. We shudder at the thought of letting people into some of those places in our hearts. But here's the reality. Stepping in is this, it's a willingness to be who we're supposed to be. It's a willingness to be first the person that we want others to be for us. It's the willingness to say, I love you first. You know how there's that feeling? I think guys mostly know this. At least that was for me. You know, you're in a relationship with somebody and you know it's about that time that you're supposed to say, I love you. You know, like, I like you so, 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 so much. Just doesn't feel right anymore. But there's this, like, really awkward three-week time when it's like, you're like, I like you so, 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 so much. But this is what stepping in looks like. It's the willingness to, in whatever situation you find yourself in, it's the willingness to say, I'm sorry, maybe. It's the willingness to say that I'm wrong. It's the willingness to own maybe a part of you that you've never wanted to own. It's the willing to be in a relationship where there's no guarantees of how it's going to go. To invest in something that maybe won't ever work out. But I tell you something, until we choose to step in, we remain stuck on the outside. And number three, we have to choose to break through. Can I give you some good news this morning? 
Disappointment is not the end of the road. Setbacks are simply things that will inevitably lead you to the future that you desire if you understand how to engage with those things. So when I'm feeling those moments of setbacks, when I'm feeling discouraged, when I'm having those moments where I need to phone a friend, what I have to do is, is I have to remind myself of the larger vision and then choose in that moment to recommit to what I know God is asking me to do. Can I tell you the biggest times that I need to remind myself of the vision, that I need to remind myself of the whys, aren't when things are going good. When things are going good, it's easy to run after the vision. I have to stop and remind myself in those moments when things aren't going. I have to remind myself of the joy in my moments of pain. You know, those moments where you're wondering, you know, can I love this much? Can I believe in this this passionately? Can I be this fierce about this dream that I have in my heart? And instead of stepping back and thinking about all the worst possible scenarios of what can happen, instead of rehearsing in your mind all the past failures that could potentially repeat again inside of our futures, instead of shutting down, instead of drifting towards those cycles of isolation or numbness, I've learned to do one simple thing. Stop and say thank you. Here's the deal, I've realized something. That when I'm in these moments of not being sure, when I'm feeling nervous or insecure, I've realized that there is a power in being thankful that I'm feeling the emotions that I'm feeling because the very fact that I'm feeling the things that I'm feeling means that I'm doing and experiencing the things that I want to be doing that the reason that I get nervous about things happening are because there's so many good things that are happening around me. Yeah. And so instead of, instead of focusing on what's making me nervous, I'm choosing to be thankful for the things in my life that are good. Can I tell you something? We don't have to be afraid. Did you know that? You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be nervous about how this is going to be different. I don't have to forcefully run towards isolation or numbness. I don't have to run from risk. I don't have to run from things that may not go the way they're supposed to go. I don't have to be nervous to step out and do things that I've never done. Yes, life is going to be messy. We are going to argue Things maybe aren't going to go the way that we're supposed to go. But I have realized one very specific thing. It's better to do life together than it is to do it alone. It's better to be in connection with people, even though it's messy. Next week, we're going to talk about this concept of the, the, the African proverb that says that, to get, that, that alone you can go fast, but together we can go farther. We're going to talk about a future and creating a future around this concept of community. But I've realized something. 
that when I'm inside of a community, it makes my lows not as low and it makes my highs twice as high. So Heavenly Father, this morning, we thank you so much for your word to us. Lord, as you have implored us that as you have shown us your intense desire for us to be together. Lord, this morning we're choosing. We're choosing instead of to numb. We're choosing to step in. We're choosing to give up giving up. And we're choosing to break through. We're choosing that this morning. Lord, to be the people who we want others to be to us, to engage in community. This morning, Father, I'm asking over every man, woman, child, over every heart, where there's been disappointment, where there's been turmoil, where there's been trauma, where things haven't gone the way they were supposed to go, where we've been hurt, we've been backstabbed, we've been lied to, where we've been offended, where we've been wrongfully judged, Holy Spirit, I'm asking this morning, in the solemn moment that we take, would you come and give us your perspective? Can you show us that we truly can give, like your word says, cast our cares on you because you care for us? We say that this morning. I'm casting my cares on you because I know I know that you care for me. I know that you're with me. I know that you're for me. We do that this morning. I'm just going to ask you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If that's you, if you have a memory, if you're sitting here and feeling like, yeah, that's me, I'm, I'm known to numb. I'm known to run away from my problems, run from my situations. I'm holding on to that unforgiveness or that offense. And I know that it's keeping me on the outside and I want to be on the inside. I'm just going to ask you this morning, in whatever way makes sense to you, just give that thing to Jesus. Maybe it's a fear and insecurity. Maybe you don't think you're valuable enough for connection. So Heavenly Father, this morning, we choose as an act of our will to give those things to you. We say and we see around us that you've brought us into this family. You've brought these people around us, the people who we high-fived this morning or hugged in that 30 seconds. These are the people that you've given to us to enrich our journey, to help us when we're down, to empower us when we're feeling worthless. And we choose, Father, to let go of all the stuff, the inferiority, the unforgiveness, the shame, the condemnation, that time when that person did that thing that everybody knows they shouldn't have done, but they did it anyways. We choose to let that thing go. And we choose to engage in the community that's around us. And we thank you for that.
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.